Let's talk about the long-term implications of the pandemic on our children. Let's also discuss how anxiety has increased in our children this year. What about tips on providing youth provisions? And a whole lot more. This is Pablo from Hackney, and this is Pablo's podcast. Thank you for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Welcome. This week, I have the pleasure of being joined by Amanda Dawkins-Smith, founder of Childcare Solutions, mother of five, and definitely a pillar of her community for many, many years. So, welcome, Amanda. Hi, Pablo. Thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure. Thank you, thank you. So, as I said, you've, you've, you know, you've done many things um, throughout your community. You know, you, you have a big family, um, which is beautiful. It's always... It's always nice to speak to um, somebody who's been able to maintain their family unit um, and also add to the community. You know, to be fair, I don't know where you find the time because I know you're you're always doing something. You know, your phone's always going. You know, <laughs> but you you find the time and you do it and you do it well. So um, so yeah, I think I suppose the aim well not the aim but let's start from the beginning. Um, let's talk about your family background you know, where you're from, your siblings and that sort of thing, before kids and before family um, childcare solutions? Okay, so um, I grew up in Hackney. Um, we grew up down Clapton Square, very, very community-based. Um, I've got so much fond memories of my family actually interacting with the wider community and we looked at ourselves as a community, as a family. Mm. Um, I grew up with my mum and my dad, um, very blessed to probably be one of the only children on my street, actually, who had, um, you know, a dad that lived with them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my dad actually represented um, that father figure to many in our community. He was well-respected, well, you know, um, he was looked upon as, again, as you mentioned, even for myself, he was looked upon as a pillar in our community. Mm -hmm. um, my dad's Jamaican and um, my mum, Guyanese background. Mm -hmm. So, again, I was blessed to have that kind of dual heritage of, yes, Caribbean, but different Caribbean flavours. Yeah, different flavors. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, although Guyana isn't an I was island. just going to say, I just, I just <laughs> as I said, I just thought, hang on a minute, that's on the continent of South America. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've had the pleasure of visiting Guyana, beautiful, beautiful okay. country. Yeah. And I think for me as well, um, you know, again, say like growing up in Clapton Square, you know, there was such diversity hmm. and that diversity was really celebrated. Like, I can't say that we really had you know, what we would call racism today. Mm. And, you know, that was like the 80s and the 90s. And um, we would literally celebrate different um, festivals, celebrations of other faiths. I remember a neighbour was um, from Pakistan. I, re I remember us going round there and eating and sharing. Mm. You know, there was just such diversity that was well respected and celebrated. Mm. Um, I mean, the street we lived on, we lived across the road from Mandeville School. Okay. Um, 
So it wasn't too busy. Mm -hmm. And we would often, you know, play games. All the kids would be outside. We'd play races. Um, we'd cross over to Hackney Marsh and do walks around Hackney Marshes. Mm. Uh, we were very fortunate that we were able to even go over into the school during holiday periods mm. and have like water fights. And, you know, it was just such community, which is what we don't see today. Yes. You know, me, me being a parent myself, you know, so reluctant to have my children. I mean, obviously the climate as it stands now, it's very different, but I'd still be reluctant to have my children play outside. Mm. You know, and that's because it seems that everyone's for themselves. There's no real community or neighbours really looking out for each other. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's kind of my background. Two younger brothers. Um, I've got an older sister, um, my dad's daughter. Mm -hmm. But um, family was always so important to me, my extended family. Unfortunately, um, my mum doesn't really have family in this country. My okay. family either remained in Guyana or went to the States. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I was brought up mostly with my dad's family and, and that kind of Jamaican culture. So I suppose that's more so the, um, the culture that I kind of adopted, mm. um, more so than the Guyanese. But again, um, really appreciate the diversity. My mom's actually half Indian. Okay. So... Um, Again, even when I went to visit Guyana and actually seeing, you know, that a part of me had mm. this dual heritage, like rich culture. My, my family was Hindu. Wow. Um, and, I, and I think even for that, Pablo, I think what that done for me is made me really appreciate and accept that although different, we're one. We were the same, yeah. We're, yeah, we're one. And... I would like to think even like the staff that work with me who have been with me for many years mm -hmm. would actually, um, you know, actually testify and say that, that I really respect and value them as I do my own family. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm obviously I, I come from Hackney as well and <clears throat> I know you, you know, I didn't know you at that age, but obviously I know you, but, um, but yeah, I can definitely, attest to how diverse Hackney is and how, how Hackney was because you know it has changed somewhat but I'm um, still diverse mm. you know and that yeah. sense of community was there and, and definitely it's not the same now you know just no. not even just Hackney just London England you know it's, it's there's a bit more um we're a bit more risk averse because of all of the stuff that happens out there there seems to be a lot more risks and stuff around children i could admit definitely yeah yeah, yeah. so you know it's it's interesting you know you like you said the the hindu finding out about about the hindu side of yourself have you have you ever dug into that deeper than you know looked into the religion or looked into that side of your family tree um well i recently did um you know, through Ancestry.com, mm -hmm. I actually did a DNA test. And um, I'll say interesting, interestingly enough, but mm -hmm. um, I think it just confirms a lot of what we kind of um, suspected. But mm -hmm. So I learned that I am um, a third Asian from mm -hmm. the Asian continent and then two-thirds West African. Mm. Um, so in all honesty, I am trying to 
really explore both sides of my heritage. Yeah. Because that's what makes me who I am. And more importantly, I want my children to know who they are, that they can stand in confidence, you know, because I feel it is very important to know where you're coming from, to know where you're going. Absolutely. Um, and I, I can honestly say that, you know, as a child growing up, um, I questioned, like, why my hair was different to some of my friends. Mm. I didn't understand it. And even, you know, kind of being called out and called names because of it, Okay. Um, that's surprising because you, you got good hair. Like. Well, that's what people, they call it the good hair, isn't it? And I think that's what caused a lot of issues um, ah. in my childhood where, you know, why have you got that soft, curly, you know, mm. curly hair? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I experience a lot of, um, I suppose, just negative um, viewpoints. For, mm. for that reason. Wow. Um, would never have guessed. Would never, I mean, I wouldn't even have, I, I mean, so from a, from a male point of view, I thought that would have been, always been a plus. But as you say, I can see why maybe girls, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure it probably was girls that was saying it. it. Well, it was, I mean, all the boys <laughs> obviously, you know, love the look and, yeah. and love the hair and love the kind of mixture. Yeah. But obviously, you know, for the girls, and you know, I think even them times, our parents probably didn't really know how to manage um, Afro hair because we were so conditioned to believe that, you know, European or Eurocentricness was, you know, excellent or the best. Mm -hmm. So unless your hair was relaxed mm -hmm. or that there was products to have the hair straight, we didn't really know how to manage the hair. Mm -hmm. Where I think now, my generation, you know, we are loving the the, the Afro. We're loving the, the natural aspects Absolutely. of, you know, the curls and we're nurturing it. We're loving our children feel loved. They don't feel that they're, you know, being neglected. Mm -hmm. And I think back in, that, in those days, it looked like I was groomed and my hair was always shiny. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they probably looked in the mirror themselves and thought, why don't I look like that? Yeah. So I could understand why there was a lot of jealousy. Mm -hmm. But again, it's about us really celebrating our culture, understanding it and loving ourselves. Yeah, definitely. So you, you that's, I mean, it was a form of discrimination, really, on, on some level, would you say? Or maybe, well, is that a bit stronger word? Um, I mean, I would say elements of, um, I would say lack of understanding yeah. rather than discrimination. Yeah, because it wasn't conscious, um, really, I suppose. Yeah, like, and, and exactly. Mm. And I think because of my experiences, I've been able to build my children up with confidence that they're able to deal with it themselves. Because um, one of my daughters in particular went through a very difficult time in school. Mm -hmm. Um, for the same thing, but, you know, explaining to her, we have to understand that everyone has a different start or viewpoint in life. And like for my children, you know, I, re I reaffirm their beauty, both inside and out, mm. um, where you might have other children and young people who don't have that. They don't have that affirmation. They don't have parents saying, you're amazing, you're brilliant, you're talented, you're gifted. Yeah. You know, I celebrate you. So with that, if they lack that confidence and they see somebody else standing there looking beautiful, sounding beautiful, you know, they're confident, 
that they can look at that as an intimidation mm. or just be jealous of what they see. Yeah. So I teach my children not to look at it from the perspective as a victim, but look at it as a place of, of empowerment because you've been filled with love mm. and positive energy. Mm. I, I, think it's, I think it's so important to, um, you know, empower our children like that. I mean, I, I do it all the time, you know, any excuse to tell my, my daughters, my sons, you know, how beautiful they are, how smart they are. And, you know, this whole, this whole acceptance of um, women wearing their hair natural, I, I, I love it. I think it's so, it's such a, it's, it's the, conf the confidence of it, yeah, you know, um, because I, obviously I remember a time as you would where, you know, a, a black woman with her natural hair is, is something pretty much to hide, you know, in, in, yeah. within society. You know, you, you go into the corporate business or whatever, you, you couldn't wear your hair natural, you know, kind of with a, that nappy look, whereas today you can do that. It's, it's more acceptable oh, yeah. now. And mm -hmm. so, and then, you know, even up to, I suppose, maybe over the past 10 years plus, um, I've kind of been conscious of the challenges that women would have, like, because everything you see would say that your hair is not appropriate. You know, we don't want to see your natural hair. It's not being said overtly, but everything's showing you you need to have your hair looking westernized, you know, looking more, yeah. more Caucasian mm -hmm. and stuff. So, and so internally, I think for women, you know, black women with, with their natural hair, it's like, okay, my hair is not good enough. That's what the world's telling them, you know? So I, I just, you know, I'm just happy that women have now come to a stage where they, if they want to wear their hair looking westernized, they can. If they want to have it natural, they can, if, you know? And it's beautiful either way, yeah. so. Just em embrace your natural beauty, that's yeah. what I say. Yeah, you don't have a choice about that. You're born with that. But the mm. discrimination in school, what sort, did you suffer any, I mean, you obviously had that bit about the hair, which not really discrimination, but did you have any deal with any discrimination in regards to you being a, a black woman, etc.? Well, the funny thing is, um, I went to a school in West London. <laughs> so my dad chose to take me out of Hackney. Um, he really wanted me to see the world outside of the kind of boxes or the box that I was kind of placed in um, growing up. <laughs> um, so for that reason, he felt he needed to take me outside of the walls of Hackney. Um, so I went to a school called North Westminster, okay. which was... Um, you know, West End, close to Edgware Road. Mm. And I was the only black girl in my class. Okay. And I have to be honest and say that initially it felt a bit strange, a bit uncomfortable. Mm. Um, because again, you know, it's, can anyone identify with me? Can anyone relate to me? Mm. Um, but I do remember on my very first day having a conversation with myself in my head and saying, are you going to sink or swim? Mm -hmm. And I remember having that conversation and saying, you need to step up and step forward and let yourself be known. So rather than you trying to fit in, you're going to get everyone to fit in with you. Mm -hmm. And I remember having that conversation. Mm -hmm. So I can honestly say in answering your question, mm -hmm. I didn't experience discrimination. If I did... Mm -hmm. It would have been from the teaching staff. Okay. Not it, from my peers. Okay, so with the teaching staff, in, in what way? What would be the... Well, even, I mean, there was one occasion, I, I remember um, even my dad um, 
coming to a parents' evening and I remember him confronting a teacher because in class, for example, mm. a teacher had asked me what my dad did for a living and then she answered. Okay. So she asked me, what does your dad do for a living? And then she said, is he a bus driver? Wow. Wow. Just now, presuming. That is a big presumption. Mm. And for me you're making a prejudice presumption because Absolutely. why would my dad be a bus driver? You know, w would you have said that to any of my peers in the classroom? Mm. Some of which were, you know, middle class, living in Barbican, living in Kensington. Yeah. Okay, I was from Hackney. My dad actually worked for Reuters. My dad had an excellent job. Mm -hmm. You know, he's always been a professional. So it was quite insultive for me. Mm. Um, my dad's always been an academic. I mean, for me, my dad's probably one of the most intelligent people I know. You know, there's just mm -hmm. someone with general knowledge. I mean, academically, maths, mm -hmm. you name it. Even now, my children would still ask granddad, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. So I remember mm -hmm. my dad actually approaching her and, you know, he, he approached her in such a way that she felt really embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Right you know, he's, very art he's a very articulate man, so, you know, he's not going to come in blazing and whatever, but he really made her feel embarrassed that she had to apologise. Mm. So sometimes it's like they've already given you a ceiling of you're only going to reach so far, mm. where I wasn't brought up like that. I was brought up to believe that you can become anything you want to become. You work hard, you have that determination, and you can achieve. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's hopefully um, she she learnt a lesson from that point on. But like you said, there was you was the only black um, child there. I'm sure, there would have been some come after. But um, but yeah, that was a big assumption, and uh, and I'm sure I'm sure she would have um, you know defended herself in saying I'm not racist, I'm not this, I'm not that. You probably can't remember, but. I'm, I, c I could imagine those kind of conversations happening. And oh, not, definitely. And yeah. not, not knowing um, that, regardless of that, there was definitely an unconscious bias there. There's and, definitely, yeah. 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 And that would have played out like throughout your, your growing up, you know, um, sorry, without you, with, through your time within the school, you know. Well, even, but even then, um, I, I chose always to rise, mm. always. Um, so when it came to sports, like, I was one of the strongest sports people, you know, for the school. I represented um, Westminster Athletics. Mm. I was on the girls' football team, mm -hmm. represented um, Westminster. Um, I remember even becoming the chair school of, of school council. So I was the head of, because there were three sites, and I was the head of, of three sites. You know, I was the, the representative for the whole school. Mm. Um, so I, I made sure that, there were absolutely no individuals or institutions that were going to say to me that I couldn't because I proved all of them wrong, that I was more than capable. And I, in fact, I proved it to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we, I mean, obviously that is testament to your strength of character and your determination and your, your willingness to succeed. Where, where did your influences come from? Where did you get that? that energy, that, you know, that go-getter attitude? I can honestly say that my parents have been fundamental in that foundation, laying yeah. that foundation for me. Yeah. 
Um, my mum is just one of the strongest, most powerful women that I know. Mm. A woman of excellence and of standard. Mm-hmm. Um, it was her birthday just the other day, and you know, I, I just said to my mum, like, you have set such an example for me mm. um, that I know exactly the direction I need to go in in terms of being a mother to my children and, you know, for settling for nothing less. Yeah. Um, my dad, oh boy, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I don't even have the words. Mm. In fact, I feel quite emotional. <laughs> <laughs> but mm. my dad is, he's just phenomenal. Mm. He is absolutely phenomenal. Like my dad, he just spoke nothing but strength mm. and encouragement into my life from as young as I can remember. Yeah. From as young as I remember, my dad has always shown me that, like, I am the best. I am. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that I cannot achieve. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, I'm, I'm 45 now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my dad will still have those words today for me. You know, he would say how proud he is of me. And he would say to me, like, there's no limit for you. So, yeah, yeah. Definitely my parents. And it's, I mean, that is just testimony to how important it is not just to have both parents raising children but both parents supporting them you know um not not just with food and shelter you know them conversations them positive affirmations you know consistently you know without no bounds like it's it's so important it's so important and and to be fair um you know, because obviously all par- parents try their hardest, you know, as long as yeah. generally p- parents, you know, are loving generally. But um, obviously uh, the parents, the generation of our parents, um, because they were, what are they, like second generation uh, to the UK. I think they're mm. second, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like they're, on the whole, their thing was about survival. A lot of, yeah. lot of them. You know, and but your story is not. Your story is a little bit different. Your your story is a little bit more evolved. But I do know people um, who from that era and the parents. You know, it's, it was just about survival. You know, um, yeah. you know, putting a yeah. roof over the head, making sure the kids are fed, making sure um, that they get into a good school, make sure they get. You know, just the, getting the bare basics, which was enough yeah. then. But obviously now, moving forward, um, that's you know, you definitely need to do more than that now. But it's just so refreshing to hear somebody you know from our generation who who had that that foundation and obviously your i mean we'll get speaking about more of that going forward but your your life is testimony to that that foundation that you had allowed you to step on and step up you know and, and move forward you know obviously Thank that, that you. <laughs> not, not not to take away from the choices that you made because you you made the choices you could easily yeah. have had yeah. all of that and still made the wrong choices. So you played mm. your part, but your parents, that foundation, it's not to be underestimated, you know? And that's, that's why these conversations, I think, are, are really important because if, if you don't know, if you haven't heard these kind of stories or, or people's, um, yeah, that, that side, you might, you might not know it because you may not have lived it. And it's like, okay, if I've got two young kids here and um, it is important for me to give them them positive affirmations. It's not just about feeding them with food for their belly, it's food for their mind. Definitely. And, food for their confidence as well, so. and even actually saying that, mm. um, so my dad was that figure for a lot of young people. Mm. Um, 
growing up down Clapton Square. Mm. And I mean, even to this day, I would run into people and they would say, you know, your dad would stop me and he would ask me, you know, what am I doing? What are my plans? How am I moving forward? And then he'll catch up. How's it going? Mm. And he would just speak life into them. And they would say, like, I didn't have a dad. And that small little time that my dad would take to talk to them, they said it made all the difference. Like they had somewhat of a role model of what a positive male figure looked like, a black yep. male figure looked like. Mm -hmm. And they actually aspired to become somebody like him. Absolutely. And when I hear people say that, like it, it blows me away mm. because I had this man, you know, he lived with me and he literally rooted for me every step of the way mm. and i think in that respect i think i've actually i wouldn't even say i tried to adopt it because i just think that's become a part of who i am yeah yeah you know where mm. then i can deposit that in not even children and just young people but people generally yeah yeah and your 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 dad is um you know he's his stature you know you know he's a tall he's a big man oh yeah and, and a very <laughs> Confident, you know, he just demand, he oh, demands yeah. respect. You know, what I mean, you he see does. him, you can't yeah. look at him and say, um, you can't even think about disrespect. That that wouldn't even come into your mind. He mm -hmm. just demands respect, and to know that he he has that character as well to match it. You know, um, oh, it's, it's just beautiful, Amazing. man. So you yeah. you've been blessed, truly blessed. Definitely, sure. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So so moving forward, then onto your, your obviously you went to school, like you said, in the West End. Only black girl there. Um, and then you, your teenage years now, you've, you've finished school, you're, you're in that transitional stage from teenager to woman, before mm. kids and everything else. So just tell me a little bit about that. Well, um, funny thing is actually I had an opportunity to go um, and study in the US. Okay. So my uncle, very wealthy, um, and I was really close to my uncle, so a lot of summers as well, um, I'd go and spend time in New York. Mm -hmm. um, he had two daughters as well, so I got on really well with them. And so, yeah, he wanted to offer me that opportunity to come and study in New York. So when I finished my A-levels, mm -hmm. I went on to college to do an AS in maths because GCSE maths wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that, and along with that, I studied psychology and performing arts. I just did some additional studies that I thought I might enjoy along mm. the way. Um, but funny enough, when I completed it, I thought, I'm not ready to leave my family. I'm not ready to leave my parents. Mm. So um, I decided to kind of put that on hold, mm -hmm. um, maybe for a year. But then I just enrolled at university here and... I did, um, I did a degree in politics and communication because I wanted to be a journalist. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> so okay. so that was the kind of the beginning. Mm -hmm. However, while I was studying, um, I was actually working in adventure playgrounds and after school community groups. Was that your first job? I, yes, mm -hmm. which I absolutely love. I could imagine. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. The children gravitated to me. The staff there, a lot of the time, mm -hmm. I mean, they would say, like, wow, like, your leadership skills. I mean, I would, I could literally control, you know, like, a room of, like, 30 children, and 
mm. with real fun. Like everyone, you know, just they were just so blown away. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah. I just felt like that was me, really. Adventure Playgrounds. That that would have been a... Yeah, that must have been a um, really invigorating role. Teaching kids how to do borders, pulling that splinter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was so, it was so much fun. I, yeah. I, I just thrived in that environment. Mm. I really did. Um, but then I fell pregnant while mm -hmm. I was at uni studying. Okay. I fell pregnant with baby number one. Mm-hmm. As you know, I'm a mother of five. Mm. Um, so I had to then move from the adventure and I went to work at Springfield. Okay. Um, in Clapton, which again, absolutely loved it. Mm. Really loved it. To the point, I mean, I remember them, um, I was actually approached by Hackney Council mm. after that point. Um, to run my own site. Okay, um, Adventure Playground site? It was um, an after-school club, actually, in, in a school. Okay, right. So um, they said that they were setting up some new sites and they'd asked, they asked me if I'd be interested in managing it, hmm. which I was, like, really blown away. I was like, oh, wow, like, my own site, I'd have my own staff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I did um, accept the offer. And um, I think we became what would we call like the the kind of leading um, after school club in the schools in in the borough. Okay. Wow. So um, yeah. So you know, obviously it, it it was it was an amazing achievement because I know what we were doing at our site for the children. Mm -hmm. But you could imagine all the other managers looking at me like, you know. Who is this? Because I, I would go above and beyond. I'd prepare stuff at home for the children. And, you know, so I was using it as an example. Mm. And everyone was looking at me like, come on, girl. Like, <laughs> mm. So we would do talent shows and I'd have Hackney Gazette come down and, you know, take pictures of our show and they're just like, <laughs> what is she trying to do to us? Wow, amazing. But, um, you know, that was, I remember even, so when we did the talent show, um, I remember getting CDs burnt for the children, like, so all the tracks that they were dancing or performing to, so everyone had their own discs mm -hmm. to take home, you know, memorabilia and put their names on it. And so, you know, I did. I went above and beyond because I just I felt the children deserved it. So your first your first role, your first ever job was working with kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that was that was that was the insight into what the future held for you because um, yeah, you know sometimes know, people but... move around in different roles, working in shoe shops, working in stores mm, and mm. stuff. You went straight to what you was destined to be in. Yes, I, but I didn't think that I would remain there. Mm. I didn't think I'd remain there. I, I thought it was going to be... I knew it was going to be a stepping stone, mm -hmm. but I wasn't sure what it would then lead to. Right. Um, so even while I was working, um, for one, you know, running a site in Hackney, my line manager actually said, you know, you've got something special here. Mm. And he said, you know, you should be running your own business. Mm -hmm. Um, said you shouldn't be working for Hackney Council. Mm. And what he did is he sought me some training. Mm -hmm. um, he helped me to 
gain qualification in childcare and play work. Mm -hmm. And he put me on a um, business course mm -hmm. that was all paid for by Hackney Council. Thank you, Hackney Council. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, so, I mean, literally, after doing my business course, I put a business plan together and that was me. Gone. That was me, yeah. And then I approached, I approached the um, the local schools in Waltham Forest, mm -hmm. and they were really impressed, mm. really impressed. But again, that leads to the next part of the chapter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the schools, in terms of what I was um, proposing to deliver. Mm -hmm. For the children, the quality um, standards of service, they had said that they hadn't seen anything like that locally, and it's something that they would be more than interested in partnering with. Mm. So, um, what became a hurdle was finding premises. Okay. Because, um, I mean, for so many reasons, I think, you know, you would have certain questions as to. Not, not in terms of business sense in viability, but you would, you would look at the, you know, the trust element. You know, is this organisation really going to be able to achieve what they set out to achieve? Mm. And if not, who is that going to fall on? Yeah. You know, so there were many questions, and I think um, individuals who I'd approached were, were a bit cautious mm. in stepping forward and saying, well, I'll be accountable. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they can't, they said that they'd be accountable for you regardless of how it goes well, pretty much. Well, what, what happened in the end, um, I tried to set up in um, a local community hall, it was a church hall. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I mean, I just wanted to hire the hall. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, um, there were many questions that were posed to me and even when I was able to answer those questions successfully, I can say they kept moving the goalposts. Right. Um, I mean, I was young. Mm. Um, I do feel that the colour of my skin had much to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I don't like to use a race card at all. So I've given you like a breakdown of my history and growing up. Mm. And, you know, so I never like to use that. But... Um, but if it is a factor, it was, it's a factor, you know, who, it, who knows yeah. it, feels it at the end of and the day. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. And I really, but what I would say, Pablo, mm -hmm. is I felt that the issues came from people who had the same colour as me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I felt rather than being supportive as a sister or a daughter, mm -hmm. It was, well, I don't think we're capable of doing this. Mm. Mm. So that was, it's I suppose, the, the, the shocking part of it. And I mean, a lot of people say I look younger, you know, for my age than I am. Mm -hmm. So at 30 years, I don't know, I might have looked like I was 19 or 20. Mm. So they might have had questions like, where is this little girl coming, mm. you know, taking on this big venture and being responsible for children and families. Yeah. Um, but as I said, I had my business plan, I had my proposal, um, I'd done all my homework, 
um, in terms of meeting regulations, mm -hmm. Ofsted registration. So every question they had for me, it was answered. Mm. So I ticked every box, but then it was still, should we let her have the premises? They underestimated your, your ability because you hadn't had your own, I suppose, that, and, and because you looked so young as well. So I think that was, um, so we agreed to have a trial. Mm. You know, we said, okay, well, we'll do a trial maybe for six months. And if they felt things were going untoward, then obviously we could terminate the contractual agreement for hire of the premises. Mm. Um, I remember the priest at the time, I remember actually my dad saying to the priest, you know, we're going to do you proud. And in fact, your name is going to be tagging along with the name of Childcare Solution mm -hmm. because we're going to impact the community. And I remember the priest saying, please, God, please, please, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I can say then 15 years later, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're running and we're serving the community um, at a greater extent, you know, where we started off at what, as one site. Mm. Before we we're go to now... that, before you go oh, to sorry. that, sorry. that sorry. I, I, I definitely want to talk about that, but I just want to rally back to the fact that you didn't, you're, you're, you had um, people, you know, black people that were get, moving the goalposts for you, as you said, when yeah. you was going for that, yeah. that slot. Yeah. Um, mm. And the, the positive I can see from that, although, you know, that wasn't a positive experience, that's not something you wanted, but at least when I hear that story, at least it wasn't um, the colour of your skin that was holding you back. It, it weren't, that wasn't a factor at that part. You know, it doesn't sound like it was a factor. It was more of, um, it was just about, you haven't done it before, you looked young. You know, it would have been other things, but it just weren't about the colour of your skin. Now, whenever I hear um, people's stories and, and it is just because of the colour of your skin, this is going to be difficult. It's, it's, it's that, that, that I find, you know, a little bit more challenging. But, you know, hurdles are hurdles at the end of the day. And regardless of how yeah. they come, it's about overcoming them. And that's, and, right. and that's what you ended up doing, you know, and that's what you ended up doing. So, and you went from one to? To five. Got five sites now. Five sites. Speak on that, please. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is, that is no mean feat. You know, that is... That is definitely to be commended. Um, and, you know, you've got five sites and five kids, so I'm taking it that is their <laughs> share. <laughs> that is what you're not getting, you know. That's <laughs> nah, good, man. But speak on that. How did you get go from one to five? Right, so the first, I can say, um, so I had three children, mm -hmm. and I can say that childcare solution became my fourth mm child um i can't explain the passion and the love that i had for not only setting up but the delivery um in delivering a quality service to children and families like that was a part of my heartbeat mm. um and likewise i i would say with what i experienced in my childhood i so wanted to provide children with a safe space where they could feel it was their space to be themselves, you know, to make friends, mm. 
to 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 grow in you know with their self-esteem their confidence and you know to be surrounded by individuals who would just constantly feed into them mm-hmm. you know positivity yeah um so that was what i set out to do and i know we did that and we did it so well i mean even now some of the children and young people they're you know like 20 mm. now and um one of the young men he goes to i can't remember the name of the school but it's a boarding school and he came to visit me mm-hmm. and he said much of his childhood his memories are of childcare solution mm. and he said you know he had the most amazing childhoods mm. and he spoke of all the activities the trips we did the fun he had with the adults and he just said amanda i just want to thank you and all your team for what you do and what you pour into children yeah like he had me in tears yeah yeah it's nice he it's had me nice. in tears it's yeah. nice when you when you're recognized for the for the good you do especially from the people that actually you know you shaped you shaped his life you know and that's yeah. forever yeah that's forever and we would you know we prov- provide forums for discussion mm. um you know allowing children to share their experiences and just to be comfortable and confident to like love themselves mm. Mm. um and i think that is it's just so important for people children especially to feel valued you know um just speaking life into them definitely so you know our parents we we would get them involved in a lot of community events um we would have like cultural evenings where parents would come and contribute food we'd have african drumming capoeira you know it was just celebrating diversity so they got they got it all there come to child they care they got it all they got it all and it was just this was everyone's time to mm. shine everyone's so, time to shine so the the first one as i could imagine that was you getting unbeknownst to you getting the template right for how the other four right. were going to become mm. um yeah. so but how did you transition from because you got one and you're doing all that great work with the one you got all the staff all the young people so i could imagine you're really busy you got how many kids did you had by then before so before i've you had to your three one? three so, so three yeah. kids a, yeah. a thriving business but then mm. you found time to create another one so how how do you transition from that well it was funny because i remember even parents approaching me and saying amanda like why don't you set up another childcare solution somewhere mm-hmm. and i remember saying you know that it was a part of my plan it was in my business plan after five years to set set up number two mm-hmm. and i said but um i'm so attached to this baby mm. that I, i'm still not ready to to leave her mm. you know um but the funny thing is i was approached and that's how i've been able to kind of break out because where i've been approached by a school mm. it's like we need this service here mm-hmm. so it's like you've established this community we'd like you to establish that community here mm-hmm. so again it took it away from yes this is what you've created but remember you haven't created it for you you've created it for the community mm-hmm. so now you need to 
establish yourself over here. And why I was able to do that and do that successfully, because where I managed the first site, mm. all my staff came directly under me. Okay. So they were all trained by myself. Mm -hmm. And when it was time to now duplicate childcare solution, you know, the, the big sister, mm. I was able to use my existing staff to then manage the sister sites. Okay. Because they were replicas of you. I'm so sure you they could... had they had the ethos. Yeah. They knew exactly what our aims and objectives were, and it was to make a difference in the life of a child. It mm. was to make a difference. Mm. Wow. So that was, it was quite, it wasn't as, it, I could imagine it wasn't as challenging as, well, I'll ask, let me not assume. Was it, as, was it easier doing the second one than it was doing the first one? It was most certainly easier doing the second than the first. Yeah. Because remember, we were writing we were putting everything you know, in stone and it evolved. So even though I'd had certain plans, I mean, we had so many obstacles to begin with. Mm -hmm. I didn't mention, even though the church had given me use of the hall, mm. they didn't give us any storage space. Right. So I had to literally come with my resources on a day-to-day -day basis, mm. which mm. is why I drove around in a big bus-looking vehicle for a while. Mm. Mm. But I had to literally come to the site with all my resources and I wanted to make sure that I covered every aspect of play. So in terms of learning and development, every child's needs were met. So you could imagine what I would have to bring along mm. to be able to meet that. Yeah. With no story. So now I'm sure. being appro I'm being approached by schools who are saying, Look, we're gonna give you this, you've got this storage, you can have that, you've got the playground, you've got this, you've got Mm -hmm. You know, so it was such a smooth opening. Yeah. We had our list, you know, of resources, what we needed. We had all our plans, mm -hmm. um, you know, all our documents. So our policies and procedures, mm -hmm. yes, you have to tweak it somewhat, especially with your risk assessment. Mm. But other than that... It's a template. It's a template. Mm. So you, so at this stage now, you've got two, you've got two, um, two provisions. You've got three uh -huh. kids. We still got to cover two more kids. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you've just done a lot. You know, as we're speaking about, it, it's just wow. You have got energy in bounds. Like you've got the brain space to deal with all of that. You've got a lot. You know. Um, and I have to add, actually. Mm. Pablo, mm. we actually put together a voluntary youth provision in one of the local schools as well. Mm. Mm. I remember that well. <laughs> 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 I remember that well because I, I, yeah. I, I had a little, a little time with you guys sharing what mm -hmm. I could share in that time. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. You, you've done so much. This is why it was so important to, to have a conversation with you because... You know, people will know you and, and, and maybe it's just because you're, you know, you're Mandy, you know, you've always been like that. But so people might take your story for granted. But the truth is, mm. um, for people that don't know you and that are on a journey and might be similar to yours and or, or maybe at the beginning part and and looking at what they need and how to move on. And, you know, th these these kind of conversations help, you know.
And that's, that's, that's why it was really important. But yeah, you had that provision over there um, more from stuff. Mm. Mm. So, but how did you go from, so you got two, two uh, provisions at the moment, two nurse, um, young people services, and you went on to have another three. Yeah. And a couple more children. And a couple more children. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, my children have always been very much a part of who I am and what I do. Mm. And I think that's why I've been able to do it successfully. Mm because, you know, they've been there with me through it all. Mm -hmm. And it's always been about them. Because when I think of children and meeting the needs of a child, if this meets my child's needs, then it's going to meet the needs of all children. I want nothing but the best for my children. I've, I've never wanted anything less for them. Mm -hmm. So... Having them by my side, I'm literally at work, they're with me. You know, they're a part of my day. Mm -hmm. They've been a part of my journey. They've been a part of my learning and my understanding, the patience, mm. the love, the passion. They drive me. So, I mean, even with the boys, I remember literally just having Josiah, mm. that's baby number four, mm -hmm. And I remember literally having him in the car seat to go and attend a team meeting because mm. I'm still running my business. Yeah. And all the staff loving my children. I mean, Josiah's going to be 10 in February. Mm. And all the staff have got so much respect for him. I mean, they've seen him grow from... Well, they've seen him, you know, in mummy's room. Yeah. And yeah. now they've seen this... And they all look at him with great respect. You know, they admire him. Mm. I had one of my staff message me saying, um, Amanda, you know, what an amazing young man Josiah is. I know Christmas is coming up. And I was thinking maybe a guitar would be good for him because mm. he's so musically gifted. And this is how my staff speak about my children because we're mm. like a, a, an extended family. Yeah, yeah. And if I was doing anything other than what I'm doing my children wouldn't be a part of, you know, my, my work, day day, my yeah. work ethic. Mm. Um, so although it has been challenging, my passion has driven me. Mm. And I think my passion has literally come from wanting the best for my family mm. and thus for families who come into contact with Childcare Solutions. Yeah. And let's face it, you have got some super talented children. We can't, <laughs> we, we can't leave that out. You know, <laughs> you know. Let's 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 speak on the. Um, I mean, your your daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, do you want to speak on your amazing daughter? Well, both of your daughters well, are amazing, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> let's, so, let's have it right. so I mean, Alima, my eldest, mm -hmm. you know, so gifted and talented. I mean, Alima, you know, she. She wanted to do acting, an amazing actress, mm -hmm. absolutely amazing. I mean, even from school, all her teachers said, you know, Alima is a, she's an absolute star. She, she's above and beyond, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I could clearly see that Alima was a creative, although she was very gifted in, in maths. Right. But she went on to do maths and, and economics. Um, she did very well. 
in her qualifications, but I could just see that there was something more. There was something more that she wanted to tap into. Mm. And um, in the end, she did a degree in photography. Mm. Um, she's, again, such an amazingly talented young lady. I'm, I'm so proud of Alima. Yeah. Um, so. then, you've got, then you've got Tariq, my son. Again, wow. Mm. All I can say is wow. And again, you know, all my children have been loved by all the staff. They speak so highly of all of them, mm -hmm. uh, you know, up to today. Tariq, you know, he's just, he's such a unique individual. Mm. Um, he's, he, all through school, his teachers would say, you know, Tariq never follows the crowd. He's, he's just, he's loved by everyone, well-respected by all his peers, but he doesn't feel the need to fit into any particular group. Mm and just friends with everyone, got on with everyone. Um, he's at the moment, he's at university studying a maths degree. Mm. Again, musically gifted and talented. He taught himself how to play keyboard on a keyboard that had no sound. Yeah, and wow. now he can play by ear. He can hear something and then and just play it. Um, yeah. And he's also a drummer, an amazing drummer. So just... I'm, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure Dad. Dad says you take responsibility for most of that. No, 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 no. <laughs> being, being musically gifted too. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, well, no, I'm, I'm, some credit definitely due to his genes. Yeah. I, I can't deny that. Yeah. And then you've got my Maya, mm. who was recently on BBC One on the Search. Okay. Um, Lights, camera, action. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know blown away by her talent, her beauty, her determination. Um, you know, that girl, I just, I mean, I look at her and I think I had the opportunity to go and study in New York mm. with family. And, you know, I just look at her and think, wow, mm. the strength. Mm. Um, she was born she to just do blow, it. She, she just, she, she, anyone who, if you go on to BBC iPlayer, mm. check out the search. Mm. Um, so Maya was in a group called Nostalia, Maya Louise, known as, um, that's her full name. Mm. And I'm just an absolute star. Mm. And I just, I know that she's just got an amazing future ahead of her. Mm. Definitely. Definitely. Amazing. Definitely. She, she's definitely just born for the stage and born for the camera and the mic and, and all of that for sure. So yeah. I definitely look forward to see <laughs> what she brings to the world next oh, year. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's, it's gonna be a lot. It's gonna be a lot. But yeah, you've you've been you've been blessed all the way around, man. You're you're you know, you've um you started with a really strong foundation, you know, um and you made the right choices around that as well. You know, uh, you you happen to get into your what would be your career path straight yeah. away. You know, and that's you know that that was amazing. That's amazing as well. And then you you know you've gone on to have children and and build business simultaneously. You know, um, which shows a real strength of character. And then the children you have as well. They're you know they 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 they're a mirror image of you 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 guys you parents. You know. Mm. Um, just like your mirror image of, of your parents, you know, just yeah, it's just yeah. like the next version, you know, the upgrade 
experiences. That's so, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I think is um, it's it's really important that we we do that. You know that we try to make our children be the upgrade of us, not not just by chance. You know, there's things that we have to do, and, yeah, and that's what you intentional. Yeah, yeah, and that's what your story speaks to, really. You know, there's there's been some things that you've intentionally done, and you know, there's choices that you've made and stuff like that. And, and even when life throws them them curveballs. You know, I'm sure you've had had them like everybody else, and you you found a way to deal with them. But that that was oh. that was something I wanted to ask as well. Um, mm. What sort of how have you dealt with traumas um, and and bereavements in your life, and how, how do you how do you overcome things like that? How have you overcome things like that? Again, it boils down to foundation mm. and like my, my family, my parents, extended family, mm. you know, it's, it's, it doesn't end, you know, like I know for some people that have grown up, as soon as they hit a certain age, you know, parents are like, you know, I've done my job, you're on your own, get on with it. Mm. But um, I can honestly say that even now, I know I've got that assurance that no matter what the situation that comes my way or arises, mm. that my family unit, stability, the extended family, my parents, cousins, aunts, you know, we hold each other up. Mm. We're, we're the scaffolding for, for each other. Mm. Um, and, and that's how I've tried to raise my children, mm-hmm. that family is first, foremost, it's the most important thing. Mm. I speak to my children as them to be strength to each other as siblings Mm. you know it's very very important because it enables you to cope with as you said you know the challenges that come your way Mm. sometimes unexpectedly Mm. you know how do we deal with it but we stand strong I've got a cousin as well I think you know my cousin Yvette Mm -hmm. and you know like we literally we we just we hold hands through all our adversities and we literally see each other through. Mm. Um, and it's just so nice when you can have those trusting relationships because sometimes people don't open up because they don't feel they can trust their feelings or their emotions with people around them. And sometimes it's the closest people around you that can hurt you, you yeah. know? Yeah. But I'm very thankful that I can say that the people around me, my family around me, I trust them wholeheartedly. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's really it's really important to have a, a support network, you know, around you, you know. And this mm. this is why I, I feel for people that, um, you know, people that are in uh, situations, maybe they've been in council housing and they've messed up with their rent and stuff, or they've they're and they're having to move, and the council have mm. this thing of moving them way out of the area. Like you might be in yeah. London, and next thing you know, you're you're offered a place in Birmingham or Ipswich or, and it's like, okay, it's a roof over the head, but that network, that security yeah. blanket that yeah. supports you through the challenges that life brings, what do them mm. people do then, you know? Yeah, um, this is it. So, yeah, it's, it is really important to have um, that support. And I think, I think even then, um, even going back to, you know, childhood, mm. you know, like, our interaction with children and young people, be it our own, 
or children, young people we work with, mm. um, we know that they're going to be experiencing different situations in their lives which are going to impact them negatively. Mm-hmm. But we are a source of strength to them that it helps them to build their resilience because even in our adult lives, we have some of these challenges that we have to deal with. Mm. But it's the resilience and knowing that there is a way forward. Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't help children in a young age to get through challenging situations, these are the things that then lead to mental health. Mm-hmm. Because you feel that you're isolated, you're on your own, nobody cares, nobody understands. Mm-hmm. And by you showing them that I'm an ear, I hear you, I care about you, and even offering them some guidance or opportunities to make different choices Mm. it allows them even in their adult lives to recognize and understand that i have choices that i can make Mm. you know so resilience is is such a crucial word Mm, Um, and again that's that's all a part of your foundation and then how you deal with the trials that come your way in your adult life because you know they're going to continuously come we're all hit with you know tomorrow's news we don't know what it's going to bring yeah it's part of life part of life for sure so so in regards to um support systems and and things like that where do you stand with with faith what do you believe in is that part of your support well this has been a journey that I'm still journeying on. <laughs> mm. Mm. So, um, initially, like, kind of grown up um, in church, mm-hmm. in Christianity, mm. and I can say that I've raised my children um, in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I can say as I'm continuing on my journey and my walk, mm. I still have faith. I still believe in, you know, an almighty, um, a creator. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can also say that I've drawn away from church. Mm. Okay. Um, what, caused, what, drawn, what caused the change? I think as I'm doing a bit more studying on knowing myself and knowing my history, Mm. my background, where I'm coming from, um, I remember going to Ghana just last year Mm. and visiting Elmina Castle. Okay. Um, So it was a a castle and a port where, where they then, you know, kidnapped. Um, tribes and then put them on ships Mm -hmm. to go across the waters, whether it be to the Caribbean or to um, South America. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of questions in terms of these people of faith Mm -hmm. um, and questioning what was their faith before they crossed over to the waters, you know. Mm -hmm. And so in exploring all of those, um, I suppose, past experiences of my ancestors, 
Um, and I mean, actually, this, what I'm talking about in terms of my journey actually took place before going to Ghana. Mm -hmm. um, but I just had lots of questions that just didn't add up. And I think with Christianity, and I'm not knocking anyone who's, you know, if that's their faith, I'm not knocking it at all. But the questions I had was, you've got scriptures which will kind of lead you to a direction, but then there, there's limitation in the understanding of it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's blind faith, really. Okay. Mm. Um, but I had questions, and the questions weren't being answered. Mm. The questions weren't being answered, and, it, and it, it wasn't adding up when I said, when I was studying history of who I am mm. as a people, mm. it, wasn't, it wasn't tallying up. Mm. And history is, for me, in terms of us as a people, mm. our history has been stolen. Mm. Our history has been stolen, and I think it is about time that we take back that power that was actually taken away from us. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I do have, I do have my faith. Mm -hmm. I do have faith, um, and it plays a big part in my life. Mm. Um, however, the church, as I know the church to be, mm. I've withdrawn from the institution, the church. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, life is, um, you know, if, we, if we're blessed with tomorrow, it's an opportunity for us to ask new questions and do new things and see things in a different way. So you're still on your journey, man. And that, that was, I am. you know, that's, that's what it is. But it's interesting you say about um, history and, and being stolen and stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm a big advocate for, um, you know, having the curriculum decolonized and you know just just having all history be spoken about yeah. because it, it mm. is that important so mm. i mean i don't know if i speak about our history being stolen more more suppressed and and maybe oh, yes. remixed and mm -hmm. maybe just airbrushed over but history right. history is is there you know and mm -hmm. it's and so, I mean, something I found out this year, which I didn't know before, was that um, that black history is not compulsory on the on the English no. curriculum. And one one side of me is like, well, it should be, but then another side of me says, well, you don't even need to break it down like that. You just need to explore history in its entirety. We don't need That's to look right. at black white. We need to look at human history and the bits that have missed out. It just happens That's to right. be that yeah. the bits that are missed out happen to be mm -hmm. the black, you know, the black story, the African story. Um, yeah. And this, this year has really raised a lot of that stuff, which, um, you know, is, is potentially a tipping point, you know, for, for various things, um, whether they happen fast or slow. I'm just happy that certain conversations are happening now, you know, and this is part, part of this whole podcast um, set up is, is in regards to that but in regards to this year um, this year's um, global awareness 
um, of the black experience and the inequalities that have been exposed. What's what has your take been on it this past twenty twenty? Well, I think um, you know, as a, a family, I would I would consider ourselves as a, a black family. Mm -hmm. um, so, with the whole movement of Black Lives Matter, um, I stand very firmly in recognizing that. You know, my children are gifted and talented in so many areas, you know, of, of life. Mm. And I just want to see that they have equal opportunity to rise, to be acknowledged, to be accepted, to be respected. Mm. Not because of the colour of their skin, but because of their gift and talent. And nor would I want the colour of their skin to hinder them. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the movement going forward, I would like to see us as black people rising together, mm -hmm. because I think that has been a hindrance to us as a people that we're so segregated mm -hmm. and that we're happy to individually achieve Mm. rather than looking at how we can collectively be a community and support one another. Mm. Mm. Um, but saying that, I think, as you were saying, you know, there's been many forums like yourself mm. that is now, you know, giving people the opportunity to have a different understanding of what is needed for us to move forward, to let our stories be told and shared. Mm. And likewise with what you were saying, that there's missing, there's missing gaps and we need to close them in mm. to help strengthen us to move forward. I mean, 2020 has been a real challenging year in more ways than one. Mm. But I think going forward, if we stand together, unity is strength. Mm. And true. I keep saying this along the way, that we need more forums where it's bringing us together, that it's opening up our understanding and giving us that opportunity to, to walk now in wisdom mm. rather than walking blindly. Mm. For sure, definitely, definitely. This is, I mean, if, if, if we don't do anything this year, at least we should be coming together, you know, yeah. and speaking more, you know, and opening up, opening up the conversation, you know, sparking these conversations. Mm. Um, a word that's been, well, not even a word, an acronym that's been banding around heavily this year, um, BAME. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that acronym? <laughs> um, Do you have any thoughts on it? You might not have any well, thoughts I, on it. Well, to be honest, I don't know. When it, it's really strange because I remember um, my dad um, talking to me. Um, so he said back in the day in the, I think, like the 70s, mm. 60s, 70s, not 60s. And he said, you know, it was black, Irish and dogs. Hmm. Um, and then we kind of moved into blacks and gays mm -hmm. being like minorities. Mm -hmm. And so now we've got the Bain community. Hmm. And I don't know why um, black people have to be thrown into a category of um, a minority group mm. and I say minority group because 
yes, okay, fair enough, within the country that we're living in, we are a minority. Mm -hmm. But I can't say, especially in this time, the whole BAME community, I think, is being used for our disadvantage. Okay. Mm. Um, I, I don't like us being packaged or put into um, a box with, you know, with, with other what they would call minorities. And I, I don't see why that should be the, the case. I, mm. don't, I don't understand it. I do have a problem with it. Mm. Um, because even, as I said, understanding we are a minority in the country, mm. I never see myself as um, like an underdog. And mm. I feel that that's what they're, they're kind of um, portraying, that we, we are beneath or in additional need of. Yeah. And that keeps being highlighted. Mm -hmm. And again, I mean, even to mention the, the, this whole COVID. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so apparently the BAME community being hit the hardest. Mm. Um, Again, uh, these things are questionable to me. Mm. Sorry, Pablo. No, no, it's speak your truth. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it, many yeah. people have issues with that term. I, I, I don't like it myself for, for similar reasons. Um, mm. It's, you know, it's, you know, the mixture of people that are under the, the acronym BAME, um, they've all got different needs, different wants, different struggles and stuff like that. And I just feel when you bunch them all together... Um, mm -hmm. You, you don't get to support any of them effectively because the, yeah. the issues that I have as a black male is going to be different to um, a traveller because travellers, you know, Irish travellers, Romanian travellers, they come under BAME. We're, we're, yeah. not, we're not yeah. the same and that's, you know, there's different struggles we have just like I'm going to have different struggles to um, an Asian person, you know. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's, I, I just think it, there's issues with that. So, yeah, I just wanted to hear your perspective on it. And even when I, I heard you, um, your LBC um, interview, mm. and, you know, the, 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 the call that you made, and I remember you saying something like, um, you know, are you going to address a cancer patient in the same way as a HIV patient, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And... At the end of the day, you've got two different distinct needs here. Mm -hmm. But are you going to say, well, because... And I think that was referring to Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you're going to be talking about, well, OK, cancer patients matter, well, the HIV... At the end of the day, as you said, we've got clear, distinct needs. Mm -hmm. How can we just put them all into one category or, you know, well the BAME community, all lives. Mm. Yeah, I just think when we do that, we're actually trying to ignore the real issues. Yeah, for sure. That definitely happens, definitely. Um, you, 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 you spoke about uh, um, COVID, you know, in, in this year, the pandemic and stuff that we're living through. What's, what's your take on the pandemic that we're living through? Oh this gosh, do you really want to ask me that question? <laughs> <laughs> it's the question we're all talking about, definitely. Especially now we've now oh, now there's a gosh. vaccine, which I think mm. is like wow. You know, at the beginning of the year, there was yeah. it was like the world, the planet was in chaos. We didn't know what was going on, mm. and within 
less than a year, we've got a vaccine. We've got multiple vaccines, in fact. I mean, I've, I've, yeah. this, in fact, this week is, is quite a historic, historic, and it will be obviously logged in the history books because the UK has, is the first country to first. signed off. Yeah, signed yeah. off on the use. So, and I believe people will be getting injected next week. So, yeah. yeah. And I know some people are totally against it for many reasons. And some of them, are, you know, I think, I think all perspectives are valid. That's, that's the interesting thing about this time. It, there's, there's so much going on. There's so much change and there's absolute clarity that nobody has all the answers. Even the top end scientists or whoever, nobody has all the answers to what's going on. So, so yeah, so there's a lot of conversation about it and like, you know, some people don't want, some people do. So where do you, well, I mean, what has your, been your experience just, of this pandemic? Uh, so we, we lost our aunt in... Um, late April. Um, suppose, thank you. Supposedly to COVID, mm -hmm. um, which I don't believe. Mm -hmm. um, she was she was quite poorly, um, and she developed a chest infection. If she did contract this COVID. Um, I believe she got it from going into hospital. Mm. Um, the saddest thing is that, as I said, she was very, very poorly and we had to call the ambulance for her. Mm. And the saddest thing was, is I remember the, the last conversation me and my dad had around her um, being taken by the ambulance was that we knew that she wouldn't return. Mm. So... Yeah, they put COVID on a death certificate. Mm. Um, so there's many questions around that. The the um, funeral was very, very difficult. Mm. We're a very large family. Um, we had to select 20 people to attend mm. her funeral, mm. which was very difficult. She had to be cremated as well. Mm. Um, we couldn't come together as a family after, you know, us as Caribbean people. Yeah, traditionally, yeah. you know, you don't have an invitation. Everybody, mm. everyone who knows, mm. you know, relation to the family, you, you will go and show your respect. Yeah. So it was very difficult, mm. very, very difficult, very strange times. Um, although during the lockdown, I could say that we still had some really good quality family time. Mm -hmm. And I think the appreciation for family and just the importance of love, you know, just kind of raised above every other need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I strongly believe that, I think you've probably heard the term plandemic. Mm -hmm. And I, I strongly believe that this has been orchestrated to usher us into a new way of living. Mm. Um, mm. It's sad to, to even think about it or to suggest it. It breaks my heart, actually, because I look at my children who are growing up and I just think, you know, what quality of living will they have? Mm. Um, life 
it won't be the same unless we are prepared to make make choices that um, are going to be out of our control, really. Mm. I think this the um, the vaccine that isn't mandatory. I think it is definitely going to make a difference in the quality of your living if you refuse to um, take the vaccine. Mm. I think it's going to be a hindrance in um, work opportunities, mm. um, social traveling, so the whole tourism. Yeah. I think they're going to put a lot of restrictions um, in you getting about. Mm. So, you know, for some, they're quite happy that there's a vaccine that's available now that's going to help people stay well. Mm. And I'm not saying that there, you know, that there hasn't been people who have been seriously ill as a result of it. I'm not going to say that or deny that. But mm. I think the media has helped to really exaggerate it, the whole test centres. I know numerous people myself included, who have passed by test centres and, there's, you know, there's times it's literally completely empty. Mm. You know, so with this rise and the numbers increasing, you know, the whole fear factor. Mm. So I've got lots of questions around this COVID-19. I mean, it's altered the way in which I have to run my business at the moment, that we have to make sure that um, children are in bubbles, staff are in bubbles, mm. that we've got registers of the bubbles. So if a child has any symptoms um, or is tested positive, then we have to shut down a bubble. Um, so, you know, the self-quarantine, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So Perfect I think people stuff. are, yeah, people are looking for, you know, normality. They just want to go back to normal way of living. Mm. And and I think we are going to be pressured into taking this vaccine if we want to have life as we knew it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I think you're right. There's there's things are going to be very different going forward. I don't think things will ever be the same again. And that's why that's why I think this year is is like I said, it's a kind of a tipping point for for, for many things. Um, so it's, it's really important to talk and stuff and explore other things. But yeah, it's never, it's not going to be the same. I mean, at the moment, I think they're, they're saying that they are not going to, it's not mandatory to take it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much like the flu vaccine. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, people rightfully so got concerns about, you know, if you don't want to take it and you still want to fly to America or, or go to Jamaica and stuff and, you know, if that's going to mean, okay, well, you're going to have to take it to get on this plane. You know, people are stuck between a rock and a hard place if that's something that they're not willing to do. So, yeah, it's, it's going to change a lot. we'll be having lots of summers in Bournemouth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah telling you, yeah, for sure. Cornwall, I haven't wanted to go to Cornwall, but yeah. Cornwall, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, I think, um, I mean... At the moment, we do, if we're going to certain places in Africa, we have to have vaccinations mm -hmm. to go there already. Yes. You know, yeah. for like yellow fever and, and yellow things like fever. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, 
I think those things are going to come into play. There's going to be certain countries that say, yeah, if you're coming here, you need to have this injection, you know, yeah. just like it is in Africa. So I think that's the the minimum stuff. But I have I have heard like Qantas Airlines, I think, um, they've said that they're going to be, um, you know, people will have to have vaccination papers and stuff like that yeah. to travel. So, yeah, there's going to be various things. But I, I think as long as, if we can veer away from making it mandatory mm-hmm. and putting people in checkmate where it's not mandatory but we're doing it in such a way that you're going to feel like you have to do it anyway i think as long as they keep it with a free choice thing it's going to be bad and not too bad for those that don't want it you know mm-hmm. um, yeah. but we i mean we're here now you know no no two days look the same like i said the beginning of the year the, the 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 prospects of the world look different you know we went through a stage within the black, within the black community i remember people talking about okay this disease is coming from china but it's looking like black people can't get it and then yes. it was you know we went through all that phase and it went to mm-hmm. oh no black people are dying no. and we're all in it together no. you know the majority so, yeah the majority of people are black well this is this is what they say this is what they say mm. but so you know, who knows what, what, what next year is going to bring. But what, what, are your, what are your concerns? What are you most concerned about in 2021? I think, apart from business, I think my, my major concern is my children's future and their education mm-hmm. and their career prospects. Mm. Um, my son, Josiah, who's nine, going to be 10, he was having a lot of anxiety about going to school, being in school, because school is so different. Mm. He's such a sociable being. Mm. You know, he thrives off being amongst his peers and interacting and conversation, mm. absolutely thrives off of it. And I think returning to school in September, he could clearly see it was a different environment. Mm. Um, so it's taken him a little while to adjust to the changes Mm. Um, my concern is how it affects them in the long term Mm. Um, there's lots of restrictions at the moment they used to be very active we're involved in a lot of sports and swimming and all those things have been put on hold Mm. Now, as much as we could say, oh, well, you know, we hope maybe March, April, things will kind of resume and go back to normal. The impact that would have on them, I don't know what they would even want to be involved in anymore. I mean, Jerry, who's my baby, the youngest one, Mm. he says, well, I can't go swimming because you could get COVID from the water or if they put more bleach in there, I'm going to get rashes. Mm. You know, so already you've got this eight-year-old who's, thinking really about his for me just having to think too deep for for an eight-year-old yeah shouldn't have to be thinking about anything like that you know i mean the most i want him to think about is mom water's gonna be too cold or you know yeah yeah and i'm just like this is it's just so sad so i'm trying to take each day as it comes be thankful for Mm. each day each opportunity Mm. um Business-wise, things are quite stable. Um, 
you know, even for parents who are working at home, they still love the opportunity for their children to be in a play environment. Definitely. Um, where they can still interact with their peers, take Mm. part in different activities. Um, So I think going forward, it's about ensuring my staff in particular that their needs are being met because a lot of people are feeling really anxious at this time. Mm. And it's about us looking at, um, you know, mental health, um, ensuring that, we know that we're here to make a difference mm. in a child's life, you know. Mm. Um, and that's our kind of our focus. Where we've been having like team meetings and stuff like that, our focus is really on mental health, mental well-being. Mm. Because unless we've got that kind of stability and peace of mind, then we can't deposit that into mm. the children who are attending our provision. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's... Yeah, so just take each day as it comes, really. Mm. Uh, it's very important. Me- mental health is... I mean, it was on the rise before for things like social media was kind of... Mm, I think that mm. played a big part before COVID. But now with the lockdown stuff and, you know, us having to having to pretty much go against all of our human instincts, you know, stay yeah. away from other human beings, you know, stay yes. in your house, don't, you know. But, it, you know, it is what it is. But I, I really think that it's going to impact our young people more than anybody, you know? Yeah. Maybe not yeah. with, you know, um, fatalities, but mm-hmm. the long-term implications of this, exactly. you know? Because exactly. you're, you're growing up now. I'm, I'm speaking to young people. Even my, my, my daughter actually recently spoke about... Um, no, not even spoke about, but she's very aware. When she sees a show, for instance, and people are close together, she's like, oh, that must have been before Corona. Why are they so close together? So yeah. it's like... You know, that, you think about when we were kids, that, it was, that just wasn't part of our psyche. So that being mm. part of your psyche, mm. when we get past this, which I'm sure we will, um, how's that going to affect mm. how they integrate with each other? You know, it, it's, we just don't know how it's going to impact. That's, that's, yeah. But we're, we're yeah. changing the psychology of what it is to be a human being, what it is to be fearful of, you know, we've added yeah. extra things, you know. Mm. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, we have, we have to definitely keep an eye on the children, keep an eye on their mental health, you know, keep, and us as well, you know, we've got to look definitely. out for our mental yeah. health as well because, mm. you know, without our mental health being on point, um, we're not going to be no use to our kids as well. So we've got to look at self-care is definitely a big thing. That's right, uh, push self-care, for sure. yeah. Mm. Um, all right, so in regards to more lighter things, you know, mm-hmm. what do you do to in, for enjoyment outside of work and outside oh. of being a mum? Wow, <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this morning, for example, mm-hmm. um, got up. I was quite troubled to begin with because I tried to book on... The gyms have just opened, by the way, mm, this yeah, week. Yeah. And I tried to book on a class for today, but it was fully booked. Mm. So I was on the waiting list, um, got up to check if there was any availability, still no spaces. So I called the gym. I'm so sorry, there's still no spaces. So I'm just saying, come on, space must come up, mm-hmm. must come up. And literally, 
I've got an email saying availability and I quickly clicked on, got the space. Mm. So I went and did body pump this morning at okay. 10.30. Excellent. Um, wow. All I can say is wow. <laughs> wow, wow. So I went, I went Wednesday, I did um, Zumba. <laughs> Absolutely love Zumba. I love... So I mean, what was the wow? The, the, what, what was the wow? Is, was, is that a good wow? A the, hurt the, the wow, wow? The, the wow? The wow was pain. The wow was like... <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's, for me, the enjoyment comes from the work, like the... You know, like, when you talk about, like, mindfulness, being mm -hmm. in the moment, being in that precise space and time, mm -hmm. you, you, you can't... In that time, you cannot think about work, you can't think about your children, you can't yeah. think about anything. You're literally in that moment, mm -hmm. in your breathing, you're focused on the technique. Yep. You know, the music's going, the count's going, mm -hmm. you've got another eight counts, and you've got to literally make sure you're in time, you're mm -hmm. breathing through it. I can't explain what that means to me yeah. and how it makes me feel. Yeah, yeah. Escapism, man. Healthy escapism. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Just wow. Yeah. So when I finished, I always feel like a winner. I feel like I've beat everyone. I've won all the races. <laughs> I'm the, you know, I'm the top yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. So even, like, when we've got, like, the instructor, I'm just, I praise him. I'm like, thank you. Like, that was, a, you know, they look at me mm. like, I didn't really do the work. Yeah. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've left feeling like I won. Yeah. Yeah, listen, I, I, I know that feeling. Look, the, the, I didn't go to the gym throughout the summer. I just, I had some weights. I did my stuff in my garden and stuff. But as it got cold, and plus as well, I was like, you know what, let me leave the gyms for a bit until I work out what's safe mm. and what's not and all of that yeah. stuff. But so the mm. summer was cool. But then um, as we, just before this last lockdown, um, I was like, you know what, it's winter now, it's getting cold. I want to get back in the gym. I need to get in the gym. You know, yeah. and just about to start the gym, we're on a month lockdown. I was so <laughs> upset, so upset. So I've been counting down the days, and like yourself, mm -hmm. the gym's open this week. I was in there, mm -hmm. went on the rowing machine, mm. done my half hour on the rowing machine, went and done some clean mm -hmm. and press. I, when I was, at, people must have thought I was on drugs. I was just grinning. <laughs> I was on the rowing machine. They must have thought, what is this guy doing? I was so happy, man. But. The that's why I had to ask you about the wow, because mm. in the moment, I, mm. you know, I was cool. I didn't overdo anything, didn't do nothing too heavy. Mm. You know, I went about six o'clock in the morning and just got it done. But mm. the two days after, that's mm -hmm. when the wow kicked in. Mm. My goodness, the pains. <laughs> I was like, I cannot have a gap like this again. So, but yeah, the escapism part of it is it's so amazing, man. And that's, I always yeah. encourage people, like, if before all of this, I mean, it's it's really important now that we look after ourselves, but it's always been important for many different reasons, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a space you can go and clear your mind. And if you're not, some people are, you know, maybe they're extra overweight or they don't feel like they can do anything like that. But I say, even if you go out and go for a walk, a half an hour walk, you know, from your house and back, uh, sorry, from your house, 15 minutes out and 15 minutes back, if you do that every couple of days, at least you're doing yeah. something. And all yeah. these things help with your, your mm. well-being and self-care. You know, it's really exactly. Mm. And there's no excuse. I mean, even when we had the the lockdown for the month, mm -hmm. literally we had 20 minutes. Me and my team in the office. Mm -hmm. It was I don't know. 
leggings, put mm. the leggings on, and mm. we're going to do a 20-minute workout every morning. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm telling you, we were buzzing. At the end of it, it was like, I feel good. I mean, believe me, they were in pain because like, we're doing squats and all sorts. Yeah, yeah. They were in pain, <laughs> but they were like, I get it. Like, it feels good. Yeah, it does. It does. The endorphins, like... Mm, the chemical releases, yeah? Mm. Second to none. Um, yeah. All right, so in regards to... Um, I mean, you, you've achieved a lot in your life and you, you're going to achieve much more. I've got no doubt about that. Um, what are your three tips? What tips would you give um, on achieving goals for people that are listening? Well, I would say I think the first thing in, in you being successful, mm -hmm. I think you need to follow your passion mm -hmm. because your passion is what will drive you mm -hmm. and it will keep you motivated. You know, there's times when you're setting something up and you don't see the immediate rewards for yeah. it. Mm -hmm. But because the passion is stirring you, you can get up six o'clock in the morning. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You can get up day in, day out. You can be up till three o'clock, four o'clock, five in the morning even, mm. because your passion is just driving you. Mm. So firstly, I would say for myself, I would say passion, which is why with my children as well, I say to them, look, whatever you're passionate about, we'll go with that. Mm. Because that's, wanna, that's what's going to keep you going. Mm -hmm. um, I think in terms of then taking it to that next level, you have to have commitment and dedication. Mm. You have to have commitment. Mm -hmm. um, commitment, I think, comes from yourself in terms of being someone of integrity. Mm -hmm. because first and foremost, you have to be honest and truthful to yourself. Mm. It's all good that you can present something to someone, but do you actually believe what you're presenting mm. to anybody? Yeah. Yeah. It's important so to believe, for sure. It's it, it has to come from within you. So mm. with that will come your dedication and your commitment. Mm -hmm. um, I can say that even for myself, as a mother, you know, there's times when I, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I am tired. Five children. My eldest is 23, mm. soon to be grandmother. Wow, congratulations. Yes, even though I knew, <laughs> but officially, congratulations. Officially. Again. <laughs> grandmother. Here we go. Um, yeah. My youngest is eight, eight years old. Mm -hmm. However, because in my truth is, Helping to equip my children to be just the best that they could be, like to reach their full potential. Mm -hmm. I'm dedicated to that. I'm committed to that. Mm. Yeah. What it takes, you know, I've made so many sacrifices for my children. So despite the fact, yes, I run my own business, mm. you know, I've sacrificed so much for them, you know, so even sometimes... Or like to read, literally, I've had to leave work, run home, collect his drum kit, mm. like literally stuff the car, mm. fit his drum kit because he's got a gig <laughs> in West London, drive to West London. <laughs> Do you know uh, what I mean? With his drum kit. Ooh. Yeah. But because I'm committed, I'm committed to my children succeeding yeah. and whatever I can do, I will do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, know, they know that. They know that as well. 
solid and foundation. Mm. Yeah, and then I think, um, lastly, the um, to be truthful, mm. because um, I think what I found along my journey is that even without saying much, mm. people's been able to see who I am and what I represent. Right. Um, and sometimes I think it could be quite overwhelming when people actually tell me about me without me telling me about <laughs> myself. Mm. Right. Um, be because they see my truth. They see who I am. Mm. Um, and that's from my actions. So, you know, don't put on a front to anyone. Mm. When, we're, when we're, you're living your life in whatever walk it is, just be true to yourself. Mm. Um, and I think that will naturally draw people to you and attract you to the right, whether it be the right environment or the right people, mm. your, your truth will actually, you know, take you where you need to go. Mm -hmm. So being your authentic self goes a long being way. Being your authentic self. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that for sure. Okay. So, um, to what advice would you, what are the three top things you would give an aspiring individual who's looking to set up their own youth provision? I think firstly, um, I would ask if, number one, your intentions are to make a difference in a child or a young person's life. Mm -hmm. Um, do you want to impact change? Because that's what often comes with the territory. Mm. Um, it is a business, but at the end of the day, you won't be able to retain staff mm. unless you're sincere about your aims and objectives. Mm. Um, and the people that you work with can see through that. Mm. Um, goes back to being your authentic self, I suppose. It does, mm. it does. So I think naturally we definitely need to make sure that you are passionate mm -hmm. because there is a lot of hard work, a lot of commitment. There are uh, many challenges, I mean, even dealing with parents themselves, mm. you know, um, not everyone's transparent. Not everybody acknowledges that they need help and support or want your help and support. Mm. So are you prepared to be there for the long haul mm. to actually impact and see, and see change? Mm. Okay. Um, so passion, definitely number one. Mm. I think number two as well, it is so important to make sure you've done your homework. Mm. There's so many regulations that are around childcare. Mm. Um, so you've got your working together documents now and looking at how you partner with local schools or other institutions, data protection, so all these things are, it is so important that you know your stuff. Mm. Um, what you don't want is to find yourself in a position where somebody is taking you to court. Mm. Um, 
Ofsted regulation, there's a lot that is involved in that. And especially now with COVID now, there's additional regulations to make sure that you're adhering to health and safety. Mm -hmm. So make sure you've done your homework, make sure even if yourself, if you're not qualified as a, um, a childcare worker, for example, mm -hmm. that you know you employ someone who you trust wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a matter of employing someone who has got the relevant qualifications, mm -hmm. but you really believe in their work ethic. Mm. Okay. So um, do your homework, make sure you know what it is you're getting yourself involved in. Mm. I would even suggest that you do some market research, mm -hmm. um, looking at the environment in which you're choosing to maybe run a business. Is there an actual need for that kind of service? Mm. Um, parents often buy into a service where they feel not only that their children are going to, um, you know, receive quality provision, but a provider that they can trust. Mm. So you've got to really look at what are your unique selling points and how are you going to ensure that the parents can see that. So even if you start maybe by networking and, and trying to partner with, and that's something that we, I think we do, quite poorly in the childcare industry. Mm. That's something that I've tried to actually um, to, to, to work on in working with other local um, childcare providers. Okay. Because I, I, I see that um, we try to kind of do it alone mm. when if you're networking and working with other providers, you know, not only have you got best practice that you're sharing, but in t even in times like this, mm. you know, where we've had um, like church halls have had to be closed at some point. Yeah, yeah. But if you're working from a school environment that you can partner with another organization and where you can run from a school. Mm. So, so I would say, you know, try and, try and seek out local um, providers, try and network with them, you know, even present what it is you're looking to offer, mm. try and show that you're doing something slightly different so they don't feel threatened by you. That's another thing, that you're a threat to the market. Right. But look at how you can show that we can work in partnership. In fact, we can support each other yeah. and it will be beneficial to us both. Right. Um, I think that's a very, very important one, especially in the current climate. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because everybody's... There's, a, there's definitely a, a sense of lack, you know, um, you know, there, there's not enough space for for all of us, even with jobs. Yeah. You know, employers yeah. speak about you know jobs where they'd get five, maybe ten people come for it. They've got hundreds because so yeah. many people are unemployed now. So there is definitely a, a sense of lack, and obviously that translates into into business as well. So that that definitely makes sense. Um, so you so in regards to your business, is it? Uh, you have buildings or because I thought you was partnering up with the schools you do them within the yeah. schools or do you so, have your own so buildings we're, or? yeah we're based in schools okay so right. um, five five local schools um, I can say one of the schools I'm going to name um, Kelmscott who have just been absolutely amazing mm. at really working in close partnership with us 
um, we collect from five local schools. Mm-hmm. Um, they've just been so accommodating, right. really understanding the nature of what we do. Again, the current climate mm-hmm. with COVID, etc., and giving us access to parts of the building where it's kind of secluded from um, access to, you know, other students in the building, teaching staff, etc. Um, but it just means that we have still been able to work with other schools. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just so important that if you can to, to ensure that the schools that you are delivering a service to are aware of the ethos of your business, mm. you know, and it's not just based on units, because mm. sometimes this is what we could do rather than looking at children and the individual need of a child, we class them as a unit. Mm. And when we do that, we find that doors end up closing. Mm. And even in that particular um, circumstance, it could have been said that you won't be able to operate from here. Mm. But because of the, the, the relationship we've got with the school, they clearly understand what we're there to deliver, why it's important mm. for this to, to continue, why we've still been able to accommodate five schools where in some settings they'd only allow you to have one school, for example. Okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely about working with people. I, you know what threw me a little bit when you mentioned Kelmscott, because that mm. was the school that my eldest son went to. So you, a, All right, a, yeah. <laughs> those are memories of that school started to flood back. Mm. So I'm, I'm glad to hear they're, they're still doing a good job out there. In, um, yeah, in definitely. Okay, um, so what advice would you give? In fact, let me that you use your imagination, your visualization. Yeah. So imagine it's a Saturday, nothing to do, a 20-year-old Amanda sitting on her bed. <laughs> what advice would you give her, 20-year-old Amanda? 20-year-old Amanda? Hmm. Wow, I've got a lot of advice to give 20-year-old Amanda. Give it to her. Um, What I would say to her is probably what I've said to my older children Mm -hmm. is really to to take time to get to know you. Mm. Um, Don't rush into making lifelong choices for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Explore, take part in adventures. Mm -hmm. I particularly believe that I've always, my role on this earth is, is to serve. And that's what I feel that I'm doing. And I would say to 20-year-old me, I would would still, again, say whatever it is that you choose to do, do it with excellence. Mm -hmm. Don't compromise yourself. Don't compromise your standards. And just, yeah, just walk in your beauty, in your integrity. 
yeah, just continue to continue to, to, to be the legacy that has been passed on to you. And the example I gave earlier was that of my parents. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that, that advice, I mean, although you'd give it to a 20-year-old Amanda, that is advice yeah. for a 50-year-old Johnny down the road, you know. <laughs> it's, I mean, that is just, those are just words to live by, really, you know. So, um, yeah. yeah, definitely appreciate that. Um, so, the next thing, I, I don't know where you would get the time to watch TV, but I'm going to ask you something about TV. You may not have seen, but um, I watched a documentary this week um, on Anton Ferdinand, Football, Racism and Me. I don't know if you caught that. Did you catch that? No. no. Mm -mm. Okay. So I won't go into what that's about, but I'll definitely check that out. Catch that on your, okay. your iPlayer. That, that's an interesting mm -hmm. watch. Um, so finally, where, what book are you reading? What is the, not even the book you're reading, because you might not be reading one at the moment, but what was the last book mm. you read? Oh, my gosh. The last book I read? Oh, my goodness, the name's <laughs> gone out of my head. Um, oh, my God. Listen, you've, you, need, the amount of stuff you do, I, I'm not surprised if it was a, need, a document no, I need, or something. I need to remember it. <laughs> I need to remember it. Um, <laughs> Right, I'm just going to quickly go in my gallery because uh -huh. I, I know I've got it in there. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I wonder if it was um, fiction or, or factual. It, it, was, it was fiction, actually. Fiction, okay. Yeah. However, oh, yes. The Celestine Prophecy. Aha. Uh -huh. This is a famous by, book. I've heard this book. Yeah, by James Redfield. It was a really good read. Yeah. I'd, I'd pick it up and read it again, actually. Okay, okay. I think that was on one of my lists to read. It was, uh, but I think I ended up reading The Alchemist at that time. There was a group of books, but I ended mm. up reading The Alchemist. But I might have flicked for it. But yeah, that, that is a famous book. I've heard a lot of people talk mm. speak about that book over the years. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, look, your, this conversation has been really enlightening. Um, definitely inspiring um, and I'm, I'm sure people listening to this pod will um, definitely appreciate your your journey, you know, your words of wisdom, you know, the foundation you come from and, and what you've gone on to achieve and I think they, 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 they join me in saying you know, there's so much more to come for you, um, I've got no doubt about that, you know, if you're blessed with good health and you know you've got everything is in place for you to do so many great things and and your the work you're doing you know work with young people you know whether it's toddlers teenagers middle school whatever working with young people is so important so yeah. so important so um yeah and it's, it's a passion of mine as you know so mm -hmm. um <laughs> yeah do it keep doing what you're doing and um yeah i, I just really uh, thank you you know let me say that thank you for for sharing and be, being open and transparent um but yeah i think this this story, this your your life thus far is um, really inspirational. So thank you, and thank you for inviting me. And I, w I would say the same to yourself. You know, well done for all that you're doing and have done over the years. Um, I can really see yourself on a, a radio show, um, 
but you're, you know, Pablo, you're doing great and amazing things. I've been listening to some of your podcasts and, and really enjoying them. So may it continue. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Very humbling. So thank you again for choosing Pablo's podcast today. And hopefully you can join us on the next one. Until then, take care and be nice to each other. Thank you for listening to Pablo's podcast. I'm Pablo from Hackney and you can catch me next week for more healthy discussion.